Sports Minutes with Elia Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Sports Minutes. And today, the Man United Council convenes. Uh, we've got uh, Roshan, Deepan and myself, Elliot. Uh, because it's been it's been ratified a day ago. So Jim Ratcliffe, officially in. Yeah, the worst kept secret in Premier League football. I dare say he was officially announced, I think, Christmas Eve. And then it's taken a couple of months. But now, all has been signed and delivered. And he's ready to... Uh, bring exciting times to Manchester United, I think. So Deepan Rajkhanisan is a straight stand sports reporter, puts out a lot of articles on the local football scene, but he's a passionate Manchester United fan, and I've seen your social media feed. What's your initial reaction? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think, like Raushan said, it's a bit of a weird one because we've known this for some yeah, time, yeah. so it's a bit weird to say I've, I'm now excited. I have been excited for some time. <laughs> uh, and I think we'll talk about it today. I think just reading the interviews, watching... Uh, his first official interview. Um, I'm I'm excited. I, I I liked what I saw. I liked what I read. Yeah. I think we'll talk about it in in a bit. But the main thing for me as a Manchester United fan is it gives me hope. Okay, mm. well, he's mm. done more than the Glazers have ever done in terms of trying to connect with fans. And, and that's what's most exciting for me. You talk about the excitement levels now, right? But since even before it was official, he was already on the ground talking to fans, yeah. talking to yeah. staff outside Old Trafford. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And now that it's ratified, he's spoken to the in-house TV, MU TV, and this is what he had to say. Can you describe your vision for the club on and off the pitch? Well, on the pitch is <clears throat> really simple. I, th- I think the, the only interest we have is in winning football matches and uh, competing for the Premier League and competing for the Champions League. So that's, that's, that's our only interest in being involved in Manchester United. That is what Manchester United is about. It's, you know, in my, I mean, maybe I'm slightly biased, but I think it's the... You know, it's the biggest and the greatest and the most well-known football club in the world. So it should always be competing for, you know, the league title and the Champions League title, always. Um, so that's that's how we have to measure ourselves in terms of what our expectations off the pitch, if you like. I mean, that's just about values, I think. And, you know, we, you know, Manchester United does stand for certain values. It's got a style of football. It's got, you know, a, a code of values by which it, you know, people have to respect. Um, and uh, so, you know, we would expect people to do that. So Jim Ratcliffe speaking to Man U TV there, uh, and he's given a similar interview to several other British publications. I think BBC is one of them. Uh, but hey, we convened this council to dissect because hope alone is not enough. <laughs> I mean, the hope has killed me over the past <laughs> decade, so it certainly isn't enough. But to your point, he's saying the right things. Yeah, I think I've yeah, also yeah. read the quote about knocking the rivals off the perch. It, it tugs at your heartstrings, and that's my assessment of it. And I go back to that point. He's already hired Barada. He's already making inroads on other uh, other hierarchy signings. So I think that's important as well. Deepan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think what really struck me the most about his answers were that they were not answers for the sake of just giving an answer. Right. So for example, I think uh, I think it was the BBC piece where he was asked about the style of football uh, that Manchester United will have under his tenure. And he actually didn't say, oh, I want them to play this kind of football, that kind of football. He yeah. said, that's a decision for the director of football when he comes in to make and then everything else should fall under that. Mm. So he said that the coach, whoever it is, will have to follow that kind of the football of that, that is uh, prescribed basically by the, the new director of football. So these are things that you want to hear because you don't want an owner to come in and say, 
oh, I want uh, Manchester United to play swashbuckling football because that's not for you to yeah. say. Mm. Yeah. You know, you hire the right people and yeah. that's what he's doing. He's hiring the right people for the right positions. So I think that really gives me the sense of hope, like I mentioned again, that things are falling into place, not like before where there were business-minded people in charge of football decisions. Now you get the sense that there will be football people in charge of football decisions and the business people uh, will be in charge of business decisions. But you know, it is it is a business game uh, and the business aspect is going to come in. The fact that it's taken this long for the Premier League or the FA to ratify this decision. Um, I, I saw a post on social media calling United a self-entitled club or an entitled club. Make sure you front 20 million for Dan Ashworth. I, I, I guess he was a, or is a Newcastle fan. Are we going to get Manchester United tax now? If let's say, if someone's got to decide whether 20 million is worth it to get Dan Ashworth, who is in theory the right guy to make these sport technical decisions. Mm, mm. He's a shoot guy, uh, Mr. Radcliffe. I I feel at this point, like we heard earlier in the week from Gary Neville, right, that United tax is going to stop happening almost because to Deepen's point, they are footballing people making footballing decisions. It's not starry-eyed commercial-driven people making these decisions with the signings of Sanchez in the past Mm. or Di Maria in the past. So hopefully there isn't a tax, but... I think it all hinges on Dan Ashworth walking through that door and when he walks through that door. This is almost the most crucial first signing because that sets the tone. Other clubs are going to go, if, if 20 million becomes 30 million, other clubs are going to go, okay, I can still arm-wrestle this Manchester United and ask for more money. Yeah, but I, I think one thing that's important that came out from this interview is that I think Radcliffe himself said that that the whole period of gardening leave that now Newcastle have imposed, he, he, he said it was ridiculous. Uh, but he also said that they are not going to pay um, outside yeah. the, the the required amount mm. to to get him in, so I think it gives you a sense that they they know what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they will not be allowed to. They will not allow other clubs to arm wrestle them into making certain decisions because at the end of the day, I think what Newcastle are trying to prevent is a, a very quick transition mm. for Manchester United because let's face it, Newcastle are also they want to be where Manchester United are in terms of climbing up the ladder again. So I think for Manchester United and for Redcliffe, I think they have to be certain. Yeah. What is it that your plan is and yeah. how crucial is Ashworth to that plan? Because at the end of the day, to me at least, and this is just my personal opinion, I think once you've already once you know that Ashworth is coming in, you can sort of like just get the, the plans running in the background already yeah. Yeah. before he comes in officially. Yeah, because I don't think it's gonna impact the first uh, summer transfer market yeah. too much because yeah. Yeah. of FFP and, yeah. and whatnot. So I think these are more long-term plans. I think he even said it that this is something that's going to be fixed in three to four yeah. uh, uh, markets and not 10 years because he's realistic also, right? You can't yeah. have people being patient for 10 years. Yeah. You need it to be a bit quicker, but it's not going to happen in the first window. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel Radcliffe is a guy that stays in his lane because one of the things that's come out that's been so clear, okay, football stuff, it's about appointing the right people, mm. right? But the thing that he's very focused and clear on is... Old Trafford. Mm. So, gentlemen, you prefer Old Trafford to be refurbished or would you like to see a New Trafford? (laughs) I'm not uh, agreeing to the name New Trafford, but I like the idea of a new stadium. Have you been to Old Trafford Uh, yet? Yes, I have. Ah, okay, that's why I haven't gone, so I'm a upset. (laughs) I, I feel a new stadium would provide fresh opportunity and this is very financial, right? If I were the Glazers, right? If you upgrade Old Trafford, how much is a Singaporean going to incline to visit? Get Same with me, just a few return. extra yep. things. Yep. But if there's a brand new stadium yep. like Tottenham have done, yes. I feel like I want to go and see the stadium and see what the fuss is about. Yep. So therefore, I feel a new stadium will maybe almost provide that, that clear marker for a new beginning. 
proposing. I, I think I think Radcliffe is being smart about yeah. this also, right? I think he's basically come out to say that yeah, we want a new stadium, but not at our cost. Basically, he's saying mm. he wants it to be the national stadium of of the new national stadium of England, almost. Of the North, yeah. yeah. And and that involves uh, taxpayers paying for yeah. for the building of the new stadium. So I think it's quite smart that he wants this new. Uh, establishment almost but he wants others to pay for it because I, I think building a stadium is going to put away a lot of costs that you might you know use on, on building the squad mm. so I, I think it's a smart move but I'm not sure if the authorities will really buy into that because you're talking about a, a national stadium at where Manchester is I'm not sure if that really makes sense as, as for, for the country okay. because you know that Manchester is not really your capital it's not, it's not London for example yeah. and I just do think that Yes, while everybody wants a new stadium, and I've visited Old Trafford many times, I think it is in dire need of a rebuild. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't think it's the most important thing of, of things for him to do. So while I would like a new stadium, I don't think it's number one, number two, or number three in the packing order of things mm. that he needs to mm. do. Mm. Where does Mason Greenwood stand in that packing order, Raushan? He's I, saying the right thing. I feel Mason Greenwood falls below the stadium in terms of priorities. <laughs> and and I understand why you're asking the question because quotes have emerged that Radcliffe is saying that Mason Greenwood remains a Manchester United player and he could possibly be reintegrated into the squad. He is, of course, on loan in La Liga now. But I feel, again, it's not an issue that needs to be dealt with. And where I sit on it is, I know with all these FFP regulations, you can add a big uh, line of green in your in your numbers <laughs> yeah. by selling homegrown players. And I would use Mason Greenwood for that purpose. Wow, okay, ruthless. Uh, some people like that. Deepen? Yeah, so for me, what I took from the comments is he's basically saying that, yes, I've just come in. It's one of the many decisions that I have to make because he is on the book still a Manchester United player, yeah. just like any other player that's out on loan. So I didn't read too much into okay. that because I knew that, yes, this is a fresh uh, fresh decision that he has to make. Uh, where I stand on this now is still the same I, I, as I did you know, several months ago, which is sure. I, 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 as a United fan, would not want to see Mason Greenwood put yeah. on a United kid again. Yeah. And to Raushan's point, I think it's something that can help us in the FFP uh, and I and I do see them making that decision, but I have to be fair. As much as there was uh, scrutiny around Richard Arnold and, and the decision process that they took in making that decisions, I think it's only fair that Radcliffe and Co will be subjected to the same scrutiny if they mess this up. Mm. Uh, because I think the, the quotes that he was basically saying that it's something that they have to assess and they have to see what the fans feel about it, what the club feels about it. Um, but look, I, I think this is a decision that's going to repeat itself again. Yeah. I don't think people's emotions and people's feelings about this would have changed just because he's scoring a few goals in Getafe. I think people's moral moral high ground in in some sense will, will remain the Correct. same. And I find it very difficult to see a way back for, for Mason Greenwood. So I just hope that Radcliffe doesn't shoot himself in his foot by mm. making a wrong decision early on in his tenure. I, I feel he, he will probably at least word it the right way, whatever that decision is. You get that sense of the way he's conducting himself. Uh, just sticking with you for a bit deeper, and of course, I appreciate you jumping in, uh, Raushan. Um, the issue of Eric Ten Hag, what I took from that, uh, or, or the comments on Eric Ten Hag, what I took from that was he's going to let the technical director make that decision. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think that's perfect because, like I said again, I think football people have to make the football decisions. I think you can't have an owner coming in and saying that, this guy is the right choice for me as a coach or mm. this guy is a bad choice. Like I said, the technical director has to decide what kind of football do they want Manchester United to yeah. play and do they feel Eric Ten Hag 
after having a, 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 a consultation with him, can play that kind of football. To me, you've already brought in Eric Ten Hag to play a certain kind of football. Will it be the same football that the new technical team is expecting? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. And I think Eric Ten Hag has until the end of this season to sort of prove what he can do with yeah. this team because it's not the most perfect team, but it's a team. It's a team that you can work with. And I think we've got to see what he, he does with it. Yeah, I think for me, it's just a very small point that I want to add. Deepens spot on in terms of Eric Ten Hag having this runway, right? But I think the pressure is on now because inevitably when there's someone new, they are going to want to bring in their own people regardless sure, of, of if course. it's the owner or a technical director. So I think if Ten Hag wasn't already facing this enormous pressure being the manager of Manchester United, there's additional pressure now for him to... I'm not saying win a trophy because I think that's clearly out of question this season, but at least prove that we're moving in the right direction. Better pay attention to Anthony. If he's got a couple of bruises, you know what's going on there. Uh, but has he got the fans on side, broadly put? Uh, have a listen. So the message to the fans, I think, <clears throat> absolutely our priority with Manchester United is performance on the pitch. So we want Manchester United to be challenging for the Premier League, challenging for the Champions League. <clears throat> that's what Manchester United is about. It's, you know, it's the greatest club in the world, so it should be playing the greatest football in the world. Um, but it's not light switch. We can't just switch a switch and all of a sudden United <clears throat> are going to be playing football at the level of, of Real Madrid um, because they haven't been for the last 11 years. That takes time and it takes a bit of patience. The important thing is, I think, that we all observe that trajectory of Manchester United over the next two or three seasons and the trajectory has to be in a good direction. So I think that's how I think we should be measured. People, I, w I would ask for a bit of patience, but ultimately, you know, the performance of the club does sit on our shoulders, my shoulders particularly, but also, you know, Dave Brailsford, who's going to be intimately involved, and the rest of the people at the club, obviously. Um, and, you know, we need to take the you know the, the rough with the smooth. So if we're successful, that's fine. I think it would be nice to uh, to get a pat on the back for that. But if we're not successful, then it, you know, it's on our shoulders. So we we fully accept that responsibility, um, and we'll be you know we're going to be very very focused on doing all the things that we can, as well as we can, to you know turn Manchester United into a winning side again. That's, that's why we're here. Sir Jim Ratcliffe speaking to MUTV there. Um, the class of 92 like to use the phrase the Man United way. Are you feeling that? I am. I am. I think he's throwing caution to the wind yet being very optimistic. And I like the fact that he often goes back to, yes, he's the face of it, but there's a whole team working yeah. with him. And I think that's important. It's no longer the, the class of 92 uh, that United are. It's the Ineos story now. <laughs> and speaking of Ineos story, uh, just a sense of how people are buying into this. I went on Amazon yesterday to try and look for a book about Ineos. Uh, so there's this book that was written about Ineos and the story and the business and the whole sports. It's sold out everywhere. So oh, wow. I think that gives you a sense that people really want to know uh, what Ineos are like, what they're going to bring and... If anyone has a book, please uh, look for me. I would like to rent it. Uh, he, he describes perfectly the kind of clout mm. or, or culture that being a part of Manchester United brings. You know? Yep, exactly. And look, you asked earlier at the start of the conversation, am I excited? I think it's a fresh start that was sorely needed. I'm just glad the wheels are in motion. Sports Minutes on Money FM 89.3.